I am not an expert. I've never published a book or taught a class. I've never even put anything in a quilt show. But I love quilting, and I love talking about quilting. I make a lot of mistakes, but I like to think that sometimes I learn from them and get just a little bit better. If hearing about someone else's goofs and mess-ups makes you feel better about yours, then I've done my job. Join me as we talk about quilting for the rest of us. Hey, I'm Sandy. I'm a quilter, and welcome to episode 59, in which we buy fabric. Although, actually, we're going to be talking not so much about um, how you buy fabric, but why you buy fabric. If you want to find out how you buy fabric, go back and listen to one of my other episodes about filling in my stash. Couldn't tell you right now which episode that was. I'm sorry, I didn't look that up, but it's in there somewhere. I am recording this on, what's today? Wednesday, August 24th, 2011. And I'm actually home alone in the house with my two doggies uh, for a little bit, so I thought I would take advantage of the relative silence in the house. That being said, I make no guarantees about those two doggies. I want to start out by saying thank you so much to everybody for listening, obviously. (laughs) It's always, you know, why would we do a podcast if we didn't? want to have some listeners. So I do always appreciate having listeners. That's always, you know, actually takes me by surprise that I do. (laughs) So that's always fun. Thank you so much. Thank you to everybody that's posted reviews on iTunes and to everyone who has commented on Facebook and in the Big Tent group, etc. And I'll be sharing some of those comments with you today as well, too. I do want to start out with a brief reminder because the summer has gotten so hectic for me. I realized I really haven't mentioned this all that often, but do remember that um, we're in the middle of a stash mystery challenge right now. There is a deadline coming up and it's, I believe, uh, September 20th. Um, let me double check that. I am now on the webpage. If you're looking for more information about the Stash Mystery Challenge, you can find it at the www.quiltingfortherestofus.com page and just click on the page marked on the tab at the top marked Stash Mystery Challenge and you'll get all the information there. That's a permanent page and I update it every time we have a new theme to the challenge. In this case, the theme is to remind you sun because it's summer and because here in western New York we don't get a lot of whole, a whole lot of sun year round. Um, the theme is that we're going to make sure we can see sun year round via fabric. Uh, for this quarter, you are to be creating a project using warm colors, at least three fabrics from your stash. I don't care what quantity of fabric, that all depends on what your project is, but you must le- use at least three fabrics in warm colors from your stash. And again, the project can be any size, any nature, it just has to be quilty. So tote bags, sewing machine covers, fabric coasters, all of that will count just as much as a full-size bed quilt does. Um, Again, I don't give you the total amount of fabric you need because that all depends on what your project is. That's also dependent on how much of your stash you want to use up. And we've been talking about that some lately. Um, Also, the project doesn't need to be unique to this challenge. If you are working on another challenge or if you're working on a project already and you realize it does fit this challenge theme, absolutely send me a picture. Um, I have no problem with that. I am all about killing two birds with one stone. That's a horrible image. Um, Let me say I am all about hmm, feeding two dogs with one carrot, (laughs) which if you lived in my house, you'd understand that. Anyway, um, 
if you know so just send me a picture the oh the other thing is the project does not need to be completely completed but it does have to be recognizable for what it will eventually be so if you've got the peace center of a wall hanging but you still want to be adding borders or whatever later that's fine that still counts um, applicate blocks that aren't pieced together into a top yet that counts however a bunch of fabric pieces cut out in a plastic baggie does not count. Uh, so in other words, look at it. Could somebody guess what your project will be when finished by simply looking at it? And then that will count. So send me the photos. Oh, the deadline is oof, <laughs> sooner than I thought it was. Monday, September 12th by midnight, your time zone, because <laughs> I will not be sitting at my computer at midnight, my time zone, I hope. So send me a photo of your project by Monday, September 12th. If you post a photo to your blog, send me the link to your blog, whatever you need to email me. That will be fantastic. So um, I also just realized I have to update that page. I still left one sentence in there from the past theme. So ignore the reference to children's artwork that's on that page. I'll try to fix that. Uh, and anyway, the deadline, Monday, September 12th, for something with warm colors. And that means I really need to get off the... Um, starting block myself. I know what I want to do. I just, and I've collected all the fabrics for it. I just have not done a dang thing to get it done. So I need to get working on my own challenge. Okay. That's enough about the stash mystery challenge. Again, deadline coming up September 12th. Uh, so on today's episode, I'm going to give you a little bit of a Sandy update, and then we're going to go right into our content about um, buying fabric. And some of that does include listener input. Thank you to all who responded to my questions in various places. And then we'll go to listener feedback. So um, let's get started. Sandy update, not much. As you all know, if you listened to the last episode last weekend, we took my daughter off to college and of course, moved her into her dorm room in the pouring freaking rain, and it was about 85 degrees out, so not only was it rainy, but it was really sticky and nasty. Oh, it was just a miserable day weather-wise. Um, even when we were in her dorm, she has she's on a, in a corner room, and she's got corner windows, um, but there was no cross breeze whatsoever. <laughs> it was just sticky and nasty and, you know, all the paper was curling in the room and everything. So, you know, that was not a great experience in that respect, but uh, she's getting along really well with her roommate and the um, they have a first year program at the school that really helps usher kids kind of gently into the academic experience, um, a little more so than a lot of schools like the one my son went to, which was very sink or swim. Uh, so she's having a great experience. Today was her first day of classes officially. And um, I've gotten a couple of very short little texts from her and things seem to be going well. She's very excited about her classes. The school also does a great job in that they don't have, a lot of us went to college in places where they had core course requirements and it was like your first year and a half at college, you were just knocking out the core requirements and most of them were very sort of general kinds of topics meant to give you all this kind of broad foundation and usually really pretty dull. Her college does not have that. They have what they call distributives. And although they're still, you know, to a certain extent requirements, you're able to much more shape them based on your interests. So, um, you know, her first semester, right off the bat, she's taking classes that are geared towards her interests and still filling core requirements. And um, that's fantastic. Part of that is because of that first year program. There's a first year program class that does kind of the writing and research and, and um, note taking training and that kind of thing, but it's still all around a theme. And her theme, uh, the class that she is taking for her first year program is the world of Tolkien, J.R.R. Tolkien. She is thrilled. She has read 
all of Tokyo's books probably four or five times. <laughs> She's, you know, got them pretty much memorized at this point. Um, so that'll be a great class for her to take. So in any case, good start to her college career. Um, going well. I didn't hear from her. We left her Sunday afternoon at about 4.30. Um, she comforted me as because <laughs> I couldn't quite entirely hold it together as we left. And she comforted me. She was ready to go um, and wasn't overly embarrassed. And I was not, by the way, the only mother crying in the room. So anyway, we left her around Sunday afternoon. And the first time I heard from her more than just a text of, yes, I'm alive, mom, uh, was, I think, Tuesday afternoon. And I figured not hearing from her, good sign. She was kept way too busy and having too good a time. So that was good. Um, and now this weekend, moving my son onto campus. He's entering his third year in college. So the whole college experience is old hat to him and me departing from him is old hat. Uh, the difference this year is he's moving into an apartment. And so there's been a whole other list of supplies and everything's And um, I have to actually help him move in this time because he needs curtains and he needs things for um, the bathroom and that kind of thing and has no idea what size the windows are or anything like that. So I have to actually go and take some measurements and then take him out to Target and we have to do some shopping there. So I will be helping him move in on Saturday and I'm just praying the weather is better than it was when I helped my daughter move in. Um so other than, you know, that all means I haven't actually gotten a ton of sewing done. Um, we got home Monday afternoon from taking my daughter and uh, just have had stuff going on pretty much every night. So the only thing I've really gotten done, I'm still working on the Jelly Roll Sampler quilt, um, working on in sort of a very loose f form of the term. I'm not really looking to get this done in any immediate way. What I'm doing, I think I mentioned this in my last episode, I'm sorting all the strips out right now and kind of dividing them up into the blocks. And then from there, I will most likely cut the pieces for the blocks, but then um, put them away and save them for my quilt retreat in October. And that's when I'll actually piece the top. That's kind of my plan. So right now I've got, I think I'm up to six out of the 12 blocks sorted um, and ready. And I posted a blog entry about that, so I'm not going to say much more about that now, but I described kind of what the process was in that blog entry, so go visit my blog if you want more time on that. I might actually get a little more sewing time in tonight, not sure, kind of depends on how long it takes me to get this podcast out, so I might talk kind of fast. But then I'm probably not going to get sewing time again for a little while. Tomorrow night we are having our dinner with our family for our son's farewell. We took my daughter out for dinner last week. Now we're taking my son out for dinner this week. Um, and we have to do that Thursday night because my husband's heading out of town for the weekend Friday morning. And then Friday is actually my birthday. So my son and my nephew are taking me out to dinner for my birthday. And then <laughs> As it turns out, um, my niece and her husband also asked if they could come along. So I'm basically going to dinner with a bunch of young adult kids, which is actually going to be a lot of fun. It ought to be very entertaining. Uh, so that's Friday night. And then, as I mentioned, Saturday, I'm moving my son into his apartment. And then Sunday afternoon, I'm going to be doing a sort of smallish birthday celebration with my parents-in-law because actually my father-in-law and I share exactly the same day for our birthday. So for years, we've had sort of combo events. And um, he did tell me a couple of years ago, he said, you know, I've, I've now turned 75. I'm officially turning my birthday over to you. It's only every year birthday from here on in. <laughs> I was like, well, that's fine. Um, but it's always been kind of fun finding things we both want to do. So this year we're taking a boat. There's a couple of 
cruises around here, we're right on the Erie Canal and we're on the Genesee River. And so there's uh, little boat cruises you can take on both of those things. So I think we're doing the one on the Genesee River on Sunday afternoon. So that'll be kind of fun. And that's just going to be with my in-laws. My nephew, John, will be there and um, probably a couple of other extended family members, but very low key. And I've got some other errands and stuff I got to get done over the weekend too. So I finally decided today I'm going to take a half day vacation on Friday on my birthday. I'll take the afternoon off just to get some sewing done because <laughs> I really want to in some way involve sewing on my birthday. And that's probably the only way I can get it done. I had not intended to take a day off, but I can do it. So anyway, that's my Sandy update. Like I said, mostly still trying to get kids out of the house. And then my nephew is going to live with us for another week after um, my son does because my husband and I are both going are going away together for my birthday over Labor Day weekend, and we need somebody to watch the dogs. So <laughs> my nephew's not going to move out until after Labor Day. So really, the real empty nest thing um, doesn't start until after Labor Day. So I've got a couple more weeks with various young adult males still underfoot. So let's talk about the content of this episode. I had mentioned in the last episode, we talked about assessing the size of your stash and, and you know, why you may have a large stash and why it's hard to get rid of fabric. But we didn't really touch on why do we keep buying fabric in the first place. And I decided that might be kind of a fun uh, conversation to have. Why is it we buy fabric? And there's some obvious ones. You know, obviously we buy for projects periodically although I do have somebody that touched on that. Um, But there's other reasons why we buy fabric that may not be quite as obvious. And so I thought I would devote an episode to that. And I did post the question, both in the Big Tent group for um, Quilting for the Rest of Us and on my Facebook page. So I'm going to start out by uh, sharing some input from listeners, and then I'm going to share a couple things I found on the internet. And then um, I'm going to give you my own take on <laughs> on the topic, um, things, reasons I know why I tend to buy fabric, and maybe you'll find some things in common with that. So the first thing um, is the listener comments. Noni responded to my question by saying, why do we buy the fabric that we do? My reasons have changed from the beginning of my quilt career to what and why I buy what I buy now. Currently, I buy fabrics that are neutral, white, beige, acru, very light, as I have so few, and those are what I need to do the projects I want to do this year. If I buy colors, they are tonal or small scale, just have a wonderful impact of color. I buy smaller or, and smaller cuts. I, use, um, I used to buy a yard, but then I went to half yard cuts, and now usually only one third yard. I might get 12 or more cuts of the same color. It depends on the projects I have planned. Currently, I'm cutting jelly roll strips two and a half inches and other sizes for several projects I've planned. I will have a huge selection to play with. Leftovers are being used in half-square triangles made with thangles. Someday, I'll have enough to do a quilt. All those triangles go in a project box till I have a couple of thousand. Sounds like fun, doesn't it? Okay, I am crazy. But pick up Edit to Start Sitar's Friendship Quilt Books and you will see where I'm going. So thank you, Noni, for that input. And I do think you raise an interesting question about how your reasons for buying fabric change over time from when you first start quilting to when you've been doing it for, in my case, a couple of decades. And um, I do think that's a valid question is how does it even change and shift over time? Holly responded, why do I buy fabric? Pretty and on sale or secondhand and therefore cheap draw me. 
Based on a few things I've read or heard over the last several months, I've upped my determination to buy organic, if buying new, and secondhand as much as possible. I'm frugal by nature and want to be easier on the earth. Just seems like the right thing to do. I almost never buy with a specific project in mind. Yes, that means my stash accrued over the last couple decades from hand-me-downs, random purchases, and stuff is not very balanced. I'd not put it in those terms until your decluttering episode, but now I'm looking at it with that eye. It definitely needs help. Not buying for a specific project can definitely lead to overbuying or unwise buying, so I love the idea of listing on my iTouch, which is nearly an appendage, thus always at hand in a store, what the holes are, so at least I can buy for stash balancing, if not for a project. And then she says, woo, and a major, and still a major point unmade. Hope you've got your feet up. Uh, she goes on to say, okay, so part of the reason that I don't shop for a particular project is that it almost doesn't even occur to me to do so. Most of my sewing happens when my toddler is in bed. I don't really like to shop, and I'm cheap. <laughs> I will adjust my project to suit what's on hand more often than it will occur to me to just go buy the color pattern, whatever that I'm lacking. When I hear podcasters or read bloggers talking about buying fabric for this or that project, it sounds funny to me, though I bet I'm in the minority here. I'm not fanatic about it. Whenever I feel up to making a queen-size quilt for our bed, for example, I'll probably choose those fabrics carefully rather than just going with what I've got. But my instinct is to adjust my idea a few times to make it work before buying new occurs to me. When I was pregnant, we didn't know gender until we met the tyke, and thus I searched for gender-neutral baby kid stuff. It was surprisingly hard to find, though I think that's improving. Since then, as I sew for my son and others, I lean towards gender-neutral patterns and colors. My loathing of pink contributes, for sure. Your decluttering episode made me think about this and how much I avoid all the girly fabrics in my stash. Seems silly to keep working around them, so I decided to pull out all the girly prints, except for a few I'm keeping for me, and to use them for the next few charity quilts pillowcases I make. They'll be put to good use, and my stash will be leaner at the same time. Success. Congratulations, Holly, and I'm glad I inspired you in a couple of ways. Um, And I do touch on the um, baby thing later in what I say, so you'll hear more about that at the same time. I do also want to say, I'm I'm guessing none, it's probably Holly, I did not go back and check this, but there is a conversation in Big Tent around buying organic fabrics and also buying U.S. made fabrics. So if you're interested in those things, you might want to go check out the Quiltcast Supergroup in Big Tent. Okay. Oh, and on Facebook, we had several comments to my question in Facebook. Jay said, um, when I said, okay, the last question I'd posted, sometimes we may indulge in a bit of fabric retail therapy. If you do that, what drives you to do it? What makes you buy fabric if you don't have anything specific in mind for it? Jay says, pain and suffering. Also, if I'm with friends who are buying, then I buy too. Boredom as well. And I agree with all those things, Jay. You will hear me talk about some of those later. Lori said, for me, it's stress relief and thinking about something totally unrelated to my work. I love buying fabric and thinking of the possibility of the new quilt. I agree with that as well, uh, Lori. Colleen says, when I was a little girl, my mom used to take me to fabric stores. She showed me how to feel the fabric to find out how soft or stiff it was and how it would drape. And we held it up to ourselves to see how we would look in that color. It was a very pleasant memory. When I go into the fabric store and look at and feel all the gorgeous fabric, it brings back that memory. And once I'm in there, I have to buy just a little bit. And then I love bringing it home, washing it, and ironing it. It's just more fondling of the fabric. I'm with you, Colleen. Anytime I get a chance to have my hands on fabric, I'm a happy girl. And I love that, that, that your fabric, buying the experience of buying fabric actually brings back childhood memories for you. That's wonderful. Scientific quilter Darla says... 
Stress relief. Helps me feel in control when nothing else around me seems under my control. Noticed me buying a lot of fabric this year, particularly when I was under stress. However, it puts a dent on my pocketbook rather than weight on my hips, which is what otherwise comforts me a sweet tooth. Buying at Fabric Recycles helps the dent in the pocketbook, but no, I don't have a guarantee that I will get the same fabric ever again, nor that the quality is quilter's cotton. And sometimes that's a good thing. Have gotten interesting fabrics that way. And you can also buy a lot, so it seems like you're getting much more for your money, which also helps with stress relief. And that's very true, Darla. I know um, I'll talk about the stress thing later. I did not, I don't think I actually commented, and I'll have to look again at what I wrote, but I often justify that to myself as well, that I am a stress eater, so it's a much better thing to be a stress fabric buyer than it is to be a stress eater. Um, I guess you trade off gaining weight with uh, losing money one way or the other. Uh, Lady Rags Noni says, what uh, what makes her buy fabric? Walking into a quilt shop, <laughs> she says. Um, buy, I buy fabric less than I used to do, but I love colors. I'm sticking with blenders, tone-on-tone, models, marbles, etc. as I find them so versatile. I usually get about a third to a half yard, love them. Um, so thank you so much to everybody who was um, posting in Facebook and in Big Tent. Again, um, you know, don't stop the conversation. Feel free to, to go on and check it as well. Okay, I'd mentioned I found some stuff on the internet. I was um, on stitchtalk.com, which is a a um, sewing in general, but it's, again, it's sort of a Facebook-like thing for uh, sewers, Stitch Talk. And uh, I was in there just for fun form. I was completely looking for something else, but I ran across this, which I thought was very entertaining. This was posted by Juanita, but she says it was written by Kathy Smith. A possible explanation as to why we buy so much fabric, in reference to Karen's post on hoarding. I did not read the other post. Uh, Fabric study. A recent study indicated that fabric gives off certain pheromones that actually hypnotize women and cause them to purchase unreasonable amounts. When stored in large quantities and enclosed spaces, the pheromones in the fabric cause memory loss and induce the nesting syndrome, similar to the one squirrels have before the onset of winter, i.e. storing food therefore perpetuating their species, and not having a population loss due to their kind being cut into pieces and mixed with others. Sound tests have also revealed that these fabrics emit a very high-pitched sound, heard only by a select few, a breed of women known as quilters. When played backwards on an LP, the sounds as heard as chants, buy me, cut me, and sew me. In order to overcome the so-called feeding frenzy effect that these fabrics cause, one must wear a face mask when entering a storage facility and use earplugs to avoid being pulled into their grip. One must laugh, however, at the sight of customers in a fabric store with World War II army gas masks and headphones. Studies have also indicated that aliens have inhabited the Earth, helping to spread the effects that these fabrics have on the human population. They are called fabric store clerks. It has also been experienced that these same pheromones cause a pathological need to hide these fabric purchases when taken home, or at least blend them into the existing stash. And when asked by a significant other if the fabric is new, the reply is, I've had it for a while. Then a couple of people posted comments. Um, Sue B. posted afterwards, I think it just jumps in my car and follows me home. And Carmen posted, forgive me, ladies, I'm one of those awful alien fabric store clerks who talk you into these purchases, only too glad to help perpetuate the species. (laughs) So again, that was a conversation on stitchtalk.com that I found very entertaining. My take on the question, why do I buy fabric? And again, this is, you know, obviously sometimes I will buy fabric for a particular project. I'll buy it for backing or I'll buy it for 
needing, you know, borders or whatever. But this is if I don't have any particular reason and I just find myself buying fabric. Why is that? First, fabric never needs to fit. (laughs) Unlike my closet, my fabric doesn't sit on my shelves in silent judgment of the Oreo cookie in my hand. (laughs) So, you know, my issue with clothes, I love buying clothes, but I don't generally stay the same size two years running. I lose again, I lose again. So with uh, fabric, that doesn't matter. I also think that's my theory as to why so many women buy so many shoes and purses. So anyway, I buy fabric because it doesn't need to fit. Fabric doesn't talk back, beg me to take it out for a walk, borrow money, shove its slobbery toy in in my lap to try to force me to play with it, take my car for hours on end, leave dirty dishes on the end tables, make me have to sit through three hours of middle school band concert for the ten minutes that its own band actually plays, or piddle on the living room rug. And you can decide which of those are related to the two-leggeds and which to the four in my house. Fabric, on the other hand, just appreciates whatever time I could spend with it whenever I get around to spending that time with it. Another reason I buy fabric? Fabric is bright sunshine in a very cloudy northeast. Flowers can grow at any time of year. Colors abound when the world outside is just a plain steel gray. It's warm in tropics in the winter, cool and beachy in the summer. It's winter holidays in the middle of the dog days of August, or it's palm trees and watermelons during the blizzard. I can choose what season I'm living in, regardless of what it's doing outside my window, through my fabric. Okay, the next one. Fabric doesn't offer an opinion on me or what I'm doing. (laughs) Some of you may be able to relate to this. You can have days or even weeks when it seems like everyone has an an opinion about what you should be doing, how you should be doing it, who you should be doing it with, and what shoes you should probably have on at the time. On the other hand, fabric just accepts you for who you are. Another reason, fabric actually feels like a productive investment of finances. You buy food, you eat it, it's gone. You buy a technological gadget and the new version is hitting the shelves before you've even walked out the door of the store. You buy clothes, all right, well, I've already touched on the clothes thing. Enough of that, move on. Whereas on the other hand, you buy fabric and you know what? You can create something with it that stays with you or your family for years, plus the hours of enjoyment that you get using it, or just staring at it and petting it while it's on your shelves. Another reason. Fabric reminds me of people, places, and things. I am sure if you've been around fabric for any length of time, you've had the experience where you've seen a fabric and immediately thought, oh, that looks just like my best friend, or my sister would just love that. Through color, pattern, attitude, fabric can represent people that I know and love. I'll tell you right now, I've got a ton of fabric on my shelf for my daughter. (laughs) They will never get all made. But there are certain fabrics over the years that I've looked at and thought that is something my daughter would love. It's probably less so for my son. I don't have a lot of fabric on my shelf that I bought intending for him. That doesn't mean I love my daughter more. It just means when kids get to a certain age, girls are simply a little easier where fabric is concerned. And any of you who have raised sons know what I'm talking about. Another way that fabric reminds me of people, places, and things, fabric is a really easy souvenir. It tucks into my carry-on. Heck, with a few smart twists and some clever knots, it could probably become my carry-on. Fabric reminds me of fun times, road trips, that fun quirky diner where I stopped it for lunch after going to a fabric shop. Fabric is a memory. 
my mom's stash and her quilty friends when when after my mom passed away her quilty friends were going through her stash at our invitation and I, so many times they picked one a fabric up and said oh i remember when she bought that i have some of the same one there was this one remnant left on the table and we had to throw elbows and we won it and we split it in half between the two of us you know so many fabrics have distinct distinct clear memories for us and and so a lot of times, you know, I will find myself in a fabric store and I'll see fabric that I know my mom would have loved or I'll see something that I saw in a project she had made or whatever. And, you know, there's part of me that wants to take it home because it has that memory to it. I also, you know, sometimes I collect fabric um, to make photos or, or fa- photo or landscape quilts as memories of locations. Um Last summer, I got to go to Hawaii, did a podcast episode about it. And before we left, I actually kept finding myself buying, um, that's when that Stonehenge line of fabric had really kind of first hit big was last summer. And I bought so many pieces of Stonehenge, of the Stonehenge line because it looked tropical to me in some way. And it looked like something I'd be able to use to make a photo or a landscape quilt of Hawaii. Of course, all of that fabric is still sitting on my shelf to this day untouched. But, you know, I, I bought it kind of as part of my whole preparation and getting excited for that trip. I didn't have to buy it then. You know, I wasn't, I didn't have a deadline. I had no direct intention of making a quilt. I just thought it might be kind of a cool idea, but it was more sort of the celebration of, hey, I get to go to Hawaii. Oh, this fabric is going to be an exciting part of that. So that's also part of why we buy fabric, I think, sometimes. Now, some of your responses did touch on this, and and I wanted to um, talk about this too. Fabric helps me celebrate transitions in life. I'm guessing those of you who are quilters and grandmas, what did you do the first thing for the first thing when you found out you were going to be a grandma? You probably went out to buy some baby fabric. You know, all of a sudden, all you want in your stash are pastels and novelty prints. Um, even though I'm hopefully, knock on wood, years away from <laughs> having any grandkids of my own, I, I've been a big fan of those little golden book fabric lines because I grew up reading little golden books. I have so many memories around reading little golden books that I know I've got to have those fabrics so that I can make little golden book quilts either for my own grandchildren or for grand nieces and nephews, whoever comes along first. You know, so I'm already buying fabric based on life transitions, even though it's not a real imminent thing right now. Um, I can also see buying, storing up fabric to make your kid a graduation quilt that represents them. I didn't do that, but I've certainly read blogs of people who have had. I also know people who have, are planning on retiring soon. Some of them might actually start kind of stocking up on fabric because they know they'll have more time to use it. Some go the other way that they know they're going to soon be on a fixed income, so they have to start using from their stash more. But still, fabric can really help celebrate transitions in life. Another reason that you can um, find yourself buying fabric perhaps and some of us touched on this is fabric can stuff up a hole in my life Um, you know I've talked about empty nesting I am for dang sure gonna have to watch my fabric purchases (laughs) over the next few months in the past I've added pets my husband always laughs at me. He calls me a responsibility junkie because it's like every time our life really starts to calm down, I do something to complicate it. <laughs> In the past, it has tended to involve fur and claws and teeth. Um, I think at this point, my husband would be very okay with me buying fabric instead. <laughs> so I'm just going to have to to watch myself that I'm not you know, buying a lot of fabric that I'm not going to use just because I'm empty nesting. Um, I know my mom went through this. My mom never really particularly held herself back in terms of buying fabric in my memory, but I know that after my dad passed away, she had about a year 
maybe two years where she didn't do much sewing at all. You know, she just kind of went through um, depression and, and lost a lot of energy. But once she got out of that and kind of went back into sewing, then she started buying so much fabric, um, a lot of online shopping. And I think a lot of that was because she still missed my dad and because she had some health problems that kind of kept her at home a lot more than usual. And so online shopping was the one way she could kind of bring newness into her life every day. You know, she would, rather than being able to go out and see new things or meet new people or be engaged socially, she would bring newness into her house by buying new fabric. So I do think very much so that um, like any retail therapy, I mean, all of us have trigger points where we get really stressed out, we get really lonely, we might just be bored, we get sad, we get depressed, we start feeling like everybody else wants something of us and so we need to do something kind of self-indulgent. So what do we do? We head to the store. If we're quilters, we tend to head to fabric stores. So I do think that's a, a very real issue and several of you touched on that any responses. And I know that for sure. I know that I indulge in fabric retail therapy on occasion. And I know I'm going to have to watch myself on that over these next few months as I adjust to not having kids around with me. And the final reason that we buy fabric, because it's there and it's pretty. <laughs> so that's my input on why do we buy fabric and keep the conversation going. You know, I may or may not spend another episode on this with reading everybody's responses, but it's for me, it's a really interesting thing to think through is what makes me buy fabric. Most times I would say when I'm buying fabric, it's either for a project or to build up certain things in my stash. And I've got a good workable stash now. I try very hard not to buy fabric just because it's pretty, but I do sometimes. I'm looking right now at some stacks of some coordinates that I haven't done anything with that I would like to, but they're fairly recent additions to my stash. So I have hopes that within the next year to 18 months, I will be using some of them. So do keep the conversation going. Do some thinking yourself about, you know, when do you indulge in fabric retail therapy and what might have triggered it? And if that's something you feel you need to watch, what might you do instead? Again, for me, if I'm going to stress, I'd rather buy fabric than eat chocolate. I don't have to work fabric off at the gym. <laughs> I guess that's one thing. Um, all right. So on to listener feedback. I've gotten some good responses to the uh, cautionary tale quilts question that I posted in Big Ten. I know I've already shown uh, shared some of those with you. I have some more new ones to share. Colleen's cautionary tale quilt. I made a quilt with all fabrics from the same line. Blue and yellow sounds nice, right? And each fabric by itself was gorgeous, but they were all muted colors, and when the quilt was all together, it was pretty boring. I learned about value and contrast, or the lack of it, with that quilt. That's a very good thing to point out. I know a lot of times when you buy coordinates, um, you have to look at, do you need to inject something from another line in there to get better balance or a different kind of balance? Because it's not, I mean, some of it's just personal preference. So you do need to look at that issue. Katie of Katie's Quilting Corner says, I just made my cautionary tale quilt. It is pieced from blocks that I created when I first started using the Jody Barrows square and a square ruler. I obviously didn't know how to cut accurately because all my center squares were wrong. The strips were not cut well, some on the bias. So when I went to use them, everything was wonky. I've named it Hot Mess. 
It will be quilted on the long arm next Friday, and I hope that it makes it look somewhat better. I'll be picking out a pretty pantograph for it and doing it myself. If all else fails, it'll become a new bed for the corgis to enjoy. And Katie, um, I had a similar experience with the Jody Barrow Square in a Square technique. I will not necessarily say that I didn't do the same thing, um, but I do think it's not quite as easy and straightforward as it suggests it might be. And I'm saying that for the sake of all beginners out there who tend to blame themselves for something which may not necessarily be only their own issues. So just be aware of that. Um, I've also known other people who have used Jody Barrow's stuff for years and loved it. So I'm just saying I had a similar experience with it as you did. So go easy on yourself. And I like the name for your quilt. Um, Okay, Patched Pastor says, I guess my latest quilt could be considered a cautionary tale quilt, although in the end I'm quite proud of the result. And I knew I was getting in trouble when I first had the idea for this quilt, so I can't say I was surprised when things turned out the way they did, but still. I just finished the quilt I made for my nephew's wedding. He was married in July 2010. I first thought they need a quilt for their wedding in May 2010. (laughs) I immediately followed that thought with they need a double wedding ring quilt and they have a king-size bed. I knew that I was up to the technical challenges. I did have second thoughts about the time involved, but did that stop me? Um, Visit my blog at www.patchedpastor.blogspot.com to see photos and my thanks to all the people I can remember having helped me with the quilt. I hadn't originally planned to hand quilt it, but somewhere along the way, I just knew that's what it had to have, which of course added another year to the journey. Have I learned anything from this quilt? Evidently not. My niece got married last summer, and she too will have a wedding quilt that was started months before the wedding. Target completion date is Christmas 2012. I just hope no one else gets ideas about getting married anytime soon. And she then also adds, uh, I also added uh, photos to the Quilting for the Rest of Us Flickr group. Look for the double wedding ring arabesque. (laughs) And Patch Pastor loved your comment. Um, And yeah, that's something I think is very cautionary tale that when you decide to make a quilt, think about how much time it's actually going to make you to do. Thank you, everybody, who has responded to that conversation. Keep the conversation going. Um, Again, I may not read necessarily all the comments in the future, but I will certainly thank you for posting, and it's fun for everybody else to be able to um, read your comments as well. And again, for those of you who are not members of the Big Tent Quilt Cast Supergroup and the Quilting for the Rest of Us subgroup yet, why not? (laughs) you can do it. Um, I also wanted to let you know there is a new quilting blog out there. One of our listeners, Gretchen, emailed me. She is thinking about starting a podcast. She hasn't quite made that jump yet, but she has started a blog, and it's mostly about embroidering, which is pretty cool. I'm looking forward to learning that at some point. And her new blog, if you want to check it it out, is gstitches at blogspot.com. So check that one out as well. And again, remember that the Stash Mystery Challenge deadline is coming up September 12th. And I also want to say thank you so much to Very Lazy Daisy and Celia, Roberta, Jennifer, Mary Sarah, and uh, Kim T, Ethel, and Christy R for leaving comments as well on my blog and or podcast episodes. Um, I always thank so much. Uh, Thank you for taking the time to do that because it really does um, I, I'm, I really appreciate how people respond to things and it gives me ideas for future episodes as well. So thank you to all of you for commenting too. Um, other than that, keep posting in Facebook, keep posting in the Big Tent Quiltcast Supergroup slash Quilting for the Rest of Us subgroup and um, keep emailing me and follow on Twitter and posting to the Flickr group. Those are all the wonderful ways that you have to communicate with other quilters like us because this is quilting for the rest of us. 
Okay, so um, that's it for this week's episode. And um, I'm one daughter short this week. And by the time I post again next week, I will also be a son short, still with a nephew remaining. Um, Hopefully, lots of quilting to actually report on next time. I think that's all I have to say this week. So as always, you can um, comment on the show notes to this episode at www.quiltingfortherestofus.com. And at that location, you will also find how to follow me on Twitter at Sandy Quilts, Sandy with a Y, Quilts with a Z, so I can follow you. And email me at sandyquilts at gmail.com, spelled the same way. And um, join our Quilting for the Rest of Us Flickr group and like our Facebook page. And um, what else? Sign up for the newsletter, which... I do have to get that out sometime soon. And, um, oh, all sorts of other ways. The Kiva team, the Goodreads account. I'm sure I'm missing other things, but those are the key ones. So find all of that and join us and talk to me and have your comments become part of future episodes at www.quiltingfortherestofus.com. And until the next time, go get your quilting on. Quilting for the Rest of Us is dedicated to Shirley. Love you, Mom. Love you, Mom.